It's official. Well, I guess it's been official for a good while now. Fuel is absolutely out of hand. Can you say it again? Fuel is out of hand and spot pricing for vans and reefers is sinking. Big carriers are bullish on long-term prospects, at least. For once in the last couple of years, They've been a boon for the small, no doubt, even with COVID-inspired difficulties. Market to market, though, there are plenty of have and have not sorts of dynamics to go around. An object lesson came my way via a conversation on Tuesday with Mike Mustang Crawford. You may have seen my story early in the week about his Mustang's trucking business reaching the 4 million safe miles mark above the frame of a single truck. The owner-operator's 1994 Detroit Plowered Freightliner acquired via lease purchase completed in just a couple of years way back when the rig was new with Prime. Yeah, that Prime. The one so many like to condemn as a villain in the truckload entrepreneurship game. But there's criticism though, there's plenty of the opposite on offer too. Mustang Crawford's certainly not the only success story to come out of Springfield, Missouri. Regular listeners will recall Tim DeWitt's power only fleet. Like Crawford operating with authority, but exclusively with Prime's brokerage side, and now with upward of 30 trucks after a run of fairly quick growth over the last few years. Anyhow, I digress a bit here in this tale to start this edition of Overdrive Radio for May 6, 2022. I'm Todd Dills, your host as usual, and now back to that object lesson. I spoke with the Mustang last week, Thursday, while he was on his way out of Chicago toward picking up a load out of Harvey, Illinois. Headed for Phoenix, all in with a fuel surcharge and a contract load for more than $6,000 or a little more than 1,700 miles of driving. That's well more than $3 a mile if you're counting. Crawford hauls flatbed freight. Five days later, he told me about his next load. He was rolling right back to the same spot where he'd picked up the previous load in Illinois and from the same place he delivered in Phoenix. The rate out of Phoenix was just a little more than $3,000 for the same 1,700-some loaded miles. The difference? The market the freight was coming out of, of course. DAT notes Phoenix spot rates for vans outbound last week were averaging $242 a mile, beating Crawford's all-in contract rate with fuel surcharge by about $0.60. Cents. On average for flatbed, the spot difference outbound from the Illinois region and outbound from the western regions last week was almost a buck a mile all in, in favor of Midwest originating loads. And Phoenix is a place Crawford notes has always been problematic for good rates on flatbed loads. Averages in the DAT system outbound from Phoenix to Missouri and Indiana markets last week were well less than the van averages, for instance, at around 230 and a buck 90. Crawford got close to the average outbound with a healthy 79 cent a mile fuel surcharge built into the rate both inbound and outbound from Phoenix, and covering about $4.70 worth of every gallon burned. Considered for the round trip though, Mustang fared well better. With his $3 plus rate from Illinois, the round trip rate ended just a shy of $3 a mile, and left him in Illinois within striking distance of home in Missouri. Flatbeds generally held up well, you know, when it comes to the national average for spot rates for the recent oil market turmoil, but the same can't be said for vans and reefers. Overdrive 2021 small fleet champ Jason Cowan of Silver Creek Transportation told of his efforts to negotiate a spot load coming out of Utah a few weeks ago where the broker offered a paltry $1.70 a mile. 
which he noted might barely cover the operating costs and driver pay for the long run back to the Midwest. Cowan's Silver Creek Transportation 30-truck fleet, as regular readers will know, is based in Henderson, Kentucky, a bit south and west of Louisville. Furthermore, what a company like his sees in times of relatively weakening spot market demand is brokers and 3PLs pitching the businesses Silver Creek contracts with to move freight on the ability to lock in a lower rate via access to spot market capacity, of course. And for longer haul van freight, that's no doubt happening now. Bears repeating in a time like this that there's a strong negotiating tool any truck owner has in the arsenal, the right of refusal. At once, brokers have been fairly beat up on rates the last couple of years. The difference now is capacity levels in freight markets generally move toward more of a balance with the freight that's available to move. The difference is soaring fuel costs, of course. A smart broker will try to push down the rate, but he'll also know well what his transport providers are paying for fuel. If that broker's own contracts with shippers don't include fuel surcharge adjustment in the rate, somebody will be getting hosed. Whether a trucker hauling that freight at a loss or the broker struggling mighty to make any profit on it, possibly destroying his or her relationship with the shipper in the process. As a wise man once said, and this would be owner-operator Daniel Snow of Harrison, Arkansas, speaking of the depths of the pandemic, Quote, you will never, ever come out ahead running at a loss. And put another way by another wise man, also riding from the depths of the early part of the COVID pandemic in 2020, quote, don't forget the value of your right of refusal. That is your line in the sand. As for fuel, today we'll hear from Jason Cowan of Silver Creek about his dual bulk delivery and fuel card strategy for pump price discounts. And for a wider view on the oil market, it's my pleasure to bring on David Owen, leader of the National Association of Small Trucking Companies, whose members buy an awful lot of fuel in its Quality Plus fuel program, delivering pump price discounts around the nation that in some cases rival the fuel contracts of the biggest fleets going. Owen addressed the rates situation too, noting the upside-down dynamic we've seen over the last couple of years. Here he's referencing what well-known trucking economist Donald Broughton offered as a sort of explanation for the slide in rates we've seen in recent times. He said, David, think about it. He said, a lot of this has to do with 2022 being a coming out year. He said, what people don't realize is that January freight volumes were very high, very, very high. He said, normally they're lower in January than they were in December. This year it was the other way around. They were much higher in January than they were in December. And then in February, they were much higher in February than they were in January. So both those months were backwards. And he said, then in March, it went back down. And he said, it's a way for the marketplace, supply and demand marketplace to, to reach, a, a, reach an equilibrium. So I'm going to say, maybe let's hope we've hit that equilibrium. What happened to the spring freight season, right? Here's Owen talking about his association's Quality Plus Network Fuel Program. We are the biggest, our program is the biggest over the road diesel account in America. Okay. 525 or 530,000 fuel transactions last month, right at 50 million gallons a month. 
So we're uh, we know a little bit about it. All right. So what what's going on with fuel right now? Um, in terms of, I mean, it's just it seems insane. It just goes, how do you understand this, right? Well, and for a layperson, it's not going to bust the layperson. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's pesky for the layperson. Right. It's a, it busts owner-operators. It busts small trucking companies. Um, it's a $100 a month problem for a family of four. Right, right. It's a $500 a day problem for a trucking company. So... If you don't have some kind of deal, or trucking diesel, and I, you know, all of my stuff starts back, starts with Genesis and, and works its way through the Old Testament, but um, the EPA is responsible for a lot of what's going on with fuel. The EPA, for the last 50 years, has made it impossible for us to build refineries. And by that I mean they've made it so hard to make a refinery profitable that nobody's built any. And um, so that's one problem. There's no, it doesn't make any difference what kind of fuel we, uh, is demanded. If we don't have the refinery capacity to refine it, we hit upon a shortage and our reserves, according to, me, according to what I read, stockpiles of refined diesel is at its lowest level since 2014. <laughs> Let's say that you've got, uh, whether you're at the truck stop level or the oil company level or the wholesale fuel level, whatever fuel level you are, and you've got X number of barrels of fuel or an X number of gallons of refined fuel to sell, and the price, the wholesale price goes up, you know, 50 cents in a day. Well, don't you think, well, maybe I should hoard some of this lower price diesel and wait for the price to come back down because I'm going to have to replace it with fuel that's 50 cents higher. Right. And guess what? I'm going to have to raise my prices. Right. And if I raise my prices too far, I lose my business. You know, people go somewhere else. So it, 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 people just don't understand that all of that, and where we are now, because of all the decisions that have been mostly by government, um, we're getting ready to really have a supply crunch. At the same time, when we're coming out of the COVID crisis, big so huge demand right now, pent up demand. People want to get out and buy stuff. People and they can't get it, you know. And it, it, it's affecting everything. It's, it affects the supply chain. And I don't know whether it's a cause or an effect of the disruption. It's hard to know. The, then the we got the war in Ukraine. So globally, oh, panic mode. Right? Everybody's yeah. trying to yeah. scrap around and say, "Where am I going to get my oil?" And, uh, and uh, you know, we can't fight wars without oil. Right. We can't feed the world without oil. And yet it seems like our central government is doing every damn thing they can to, uh, to vilify the whole oil industry. And 
think that they can just turn the switch and everybody's going to be riding a bicycle or a goat or an electric vehicle. It, it just makes so so much more sense to me. Number one, to recognize, quit vilifying people like me. I don't, I'm not against the world being cleaner. Yeah, yeah, I've always been for that. But let's don't try to just eliminate the yeah. use of fossil fuel until we've got something to replace it with. I'm for spending money on research. Incentivize, re incentivize the efficiency in sure time, right incentivize mean, us to build a, a refinery it's exasperating to me and i and, and, it, and it's not it doesn't affect us much because trucking believe it or not learned their lesson 2007 through 2010 they came up with what is for fuel surcharges yeah. so up to a point they can get the consumer or the end user or the shipper to at least to help absorb some of the rise in cost of fuel and still make a profit. When it gets to the point, though, when they can't make a profit, guess what? They, they park their truck. And that's what's, that's one of the problems. With you, you start out with a, a supply problem with fuel, and you eventually start out with a supply problem with trucks and drivers. And then you see a shortage in the grocery store. The really thing that fr frightens me, and it should frighten everybody in the whole supply chain, is not being able to get fuel. Yeah. A shortage of fuel is much worse than a high-priced high gallon price, of fuel. Yeah, sure. And I know you've been through the, the reason why the EPA and the price of going green in the trucking industry has been paid over and over and over and over again by the truckers and in indirectly by the consumers and the people that buy the products they haul. You know, and, I, and one of my pet peeves is uh, the difference between diesel two, low sulfur diesel and ultra low sulfur diesel. And uh, and you can you remember when diesel was about twenty percent lower than a gallon of gasoline? Okay, ultra that that was because diesel too, which we burned back then, was not kind to the environment. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and they came out with a with what is called low sulfur diesel. Diesel too was diesel too was actually heating oil. <laughs> and uh, diesel one was kerosene and diesel two and diesel one came out of the refinery process as a byproduct see they weren't even refined they refined all this fuel and it came down the stack and diesel one and diesel two came out the bottom diesel one came out as kerosene diesel two came out as diesel fuel and that's what we burned so you diesel went from being 20 percent lower than a gallon of regular gasoline the first time around, it got up to about the same price as regular gasoline. Okay. And then the second time, it got up to high-test gasoline. And now it's beyond that. Beyond that. You know, uh, diesel right now is $1.30, $1.25, $1.50, maybe $2 higher than gasoline right now in a lot of places across yep. the country. Yeah, I didn't see it on the signs out here. <laughs> yeah. It's obvious. Well, and... and, and uh, uh, we gotta have it. I mean, we gotta have it. The government's gotta have it. The government's gotta have it. To, hell, they can't run tanks or planes or anything, ships or nothing, 
without petroleum. Right. How um uh how are uh, folks doing in your fuel pro program right now? Is it is it is it a do they do better when the price is going up, or do they do, or do they do better when it's coming down? I'm, in terms of the discounts, relatively speaking, they do better in, in, in a normal market. But there's nothing normal about the last six weeks. Yeah. I mean, we've never seen anything like what's happened in the last six weeks. Normally, wholesale diesel fuel will move a half a penny a day, or maybe maybe a penny. We've had days where it's moved fifty cents in a day, right. and so what? What happens when that happens? Everything gets turned upside down. People don't even understand how it works, and uh, and that's kind of where we are now. We've got we've got a lot of calls, but nobody does better in trucking when fuel's going get more expensive. Our members get a bigger discount when there's a lot of margin in the fuel. But the margins usually stay fatter after the fuel starts going back down rather than on the way up. And and I know that, doesn't, that sounds backward, but that's the, way, that's the way the market works. And a lot of it has to do with what we were talking about before. You got an inventory of so many gallons of fuel in the ground at your truck stop. Okay, how do I... How do I mitigate those gallons? Let, uh, what if I limit everybody to 50 gallons and spread that out and make it last to 10 days longer and maybe fuel will come back down between now and then? Or in some big oil companies, they buy futures and they hedge and they do all these other things. Right, so right. Right. it's way beyond my pay grade. But our guys, <laughs> relatively speaking, are, are, are doing far better at the pump relatively speaking, than like-sized carriers who are not on our program, particularly if they run long and if they need a nationwide network of truck stops. If you if you can buy all your fuel in one or two stops, you can get a hell of a deal for on fuel with 10 trucks. Yeah, for like a local, uh, with a local sure, co-op, something like that. That's why, the, that's why there's a big difference in local fuel costs and yeah. over-the-road diesel, you know. It's a huge difference. It's a totally different ballgame. Owen went on to reference a team operation based out of Nashville here, running a lane to California and back that bought the vast majority of its fuel in a contract with a single location in Oklahoma, for instance. Who didn't need a nationwide network of truck stops, and who did well better than what Owen's program could deliver. Search John Henderson's name at uh, overdriveonline.com, too, for my early March report about Henderson's contract for his several tank hauling and other rigs in the Midwest area with a local regional fuel supplier. Keep an eye out for opportunity in that regard. Owen advised anyone who could make a one-to-one -one deal, the single stop or regional network might not be easy, however, as the many years that Nastic's been working on building value in his network is some evidence. It's taken us 25 years, really, yeah. 22, 24, something like that, to, to get where we are. The one thing we've done, though, is we've been able to continue to to not cap discounts and when the margins blow out on a, on a gallon of diesel fuel if you're not capping the discounts the discounts are unbelievable and that's why we've been so successful uh, do you know that last year we get, we we delivered 
$200 million plus to the people that are in our program. And Kelso and I decided to do it that way when we first started and we haven't changed. Uh, and so we're giving the money back to the people that are paying the fuel bill, not the processor, not the oil company, not the tr big trucking company. And that's a little different attitude than, than most aggregators. That's what we are. And that's why we've been so successful. The, um, a guy with two, three, four, five trucks is buying diesel fuel every day in a 1150 truck stop network, probably at a par with the guy with 150 to 200 trucks. So, and it helps them stay competitive and, uh, and we're all about it. But, uh, the other thing that Telso and I've been able to do with our program that no, nobody else has ever done is we focused our fuel. We've kept our promise to the truck stops who gave us the deals. T.A. Petro being our big brother, and uh, but we focus fuel in those stops, and uh, we're 91%. Of those 525,000 fuel transactions last month, 91% of them were inside our network. Okay. And the focus percentage of most people that do what we do is somewhere around 20, 25, 30%, not 91. We're well over 15,000 trucking companies in Nastic now, and uh, I bet we've added a thousand trucking companies the first quarter of the year. And uh, and one of the reasons is that day, what we call a daily fuel hedge, and, and it's just an aberration in the way we reprice the fuel. We take the wholesale from uh, Monday, and it 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 that wholesale rack average price in that rack, and there's 880 racks across the country, but in that rack is the cost factor for all the transactions on Tuesday. So we can, when there's a volatile move in wholesale prices, we know it a day ahead of time. So what we do is we send out what we call a fuel alert. Buy before midnight, fuel's going up tomorrow, buy after midnight, fuel's going down. And sometimes that is, I'm not kidding you, during this crazy time, Sometimes that's meant as much as $70, $80 in one fill up. We're all about the world being a cleaner place, but uh, until we've got a replacement, a, a, a replacement strategy that uses all of our available fuel, why don't we come up with a hybrid solution that uses hydrogen, that uses solar, that uses battery, that uses atomic energy, as well as fossil fuels, and you know, I'd say I'd say that instead of the, I think, uh, unrealistic dream of going fossil fuel free by 2035 or whenever the government says we're going to do that, uh, why not take a picture of what the fuel island needs to look like, where where uh, the fuel island's got electrical rechargers, the fuel island's got hydrogen capability, the fuel island's got liquid petroleum, the fuel, fuel island's got fossil fuel, the fuel island's got DEF, and, and, and it may be, I don't know, some kind of energy we hadn't even thought of yet. But, and then get the truck designers to build some trucks that are eco-friendly, but, I'm telling you, we've got we've got a huge geopolitical advantage because of our natural resources. 
which the government's not allowing us to utilize. And 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 I'm not saying go out and 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 pump up all the oil or or start fracking every inch. Or, or I'm saying build some more refineries. I'm saying good. The pipeline needs to be built, and uh, and we need to become energy uh, energy efficient and energy independent across the board, not just with fossil fuel, not just with electricity. There's some app. You know, as big a fuel guy as I am, I own two electric vehicles. (laughs) They're called golf carts. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a perfect application for an electrical vehicle. I've got about a 35-mile radius. I can plug it up in my garage every night, and I don't have to worry about it. I just got to keep water in it and keep it occasionally every three or four years buy some batteries. And... uh, it works. The way there. Any advice for you know the owner operator out there on kind of getting through this whole situation where we got high fuel, we got some you know, rates. Uh, that, a lot of guys dealing brokers are looking at you know getting a lot of pushback in their negotiations with people, even people that they've dealt with for a long time. Donald Broughton pointed out something to me that I, that makes a whole lot of sense, and I said, "Why? What happened to freight? What happened to freight rates?" And he said, well, one of the things that happened, David, is with the cost of fuel going through the roof like it has, a lot of carriers have some choices and a lot of carriers have picked, started picking. There's a, there's a point on the graph where the distance of the trip makes a difference. And he said a lot of carriers started picking trips of 400 miles, 350 miles, 400 miles, 450, and not 556, 607, or something that took a day and a half. And if you think about it, that makes some sense. And I, I said, well, what, why are we doing the same number of transactions, but our volume went down a little bit? He said, because we're getting better fuel mileage. You know, so, I mean, ask Donald, right? <laughs> He's a smart guy. And I, I mean, I'm going to continue believing him until till he shows up wrong one day. <laughs> then I'm going to wear him out. <laughs> But that makes some sense, doesn't it? That'd be my advice. Be more careful about the distance that you're per per dollar per mile of the of the trip, and do everything you can to increase your fuel miles. Right. Um, so, and that may mean hauling lighter freight. It may mean you know there all kinds of ways. All kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. I would I would be constantly looking at trying to get standardized my lanes to run in the to buy from the fewer and fewer truck stops uh, to run uh, to run in lanes where my profitability or my my hope of profitability in the day is higher. Like I wouldn't take I, I mean just me I wouldn't take a truck to the West Coast. I'd get out of the reefer business period before I'd go to the West Coast. You can't make money going going out there. They need to be running north south, and they need to leave us alone. We need to leave them alone. That's it's just a different form of trucking up and down the west coast. Makes you think a little bit about the flatbed raid out of Phoenix, doesn't it? In any case, thanks to Dave Owen for his time this week. You can find Nastic at nastcnastic.com. 
The association is our principal sponsor for this small fleet champ program we're hosting again this year. If you're running between 3 and 30 trucks with your own authority, you're a candidate to enter and potentially join us for the big awards program in Nashville in October at the NASTIC annual event at the Omni. Always an experience for sure. You can enter your small fleet via overdriveonline.com slash 2022SFC. Speaking of the small fleet champ, Everything around here is a story, Dodd. You know what I mean? That was the voice of Jason Cowan, recorded during my visit with the approximately 30 truck fleet owner and operator of Silver Creek Transportation at the company headquarters. Cowan was Overdrive's 2021 Small Fleet Champ winner and got his start trucking in the early 90s. Just uh, like so many among you, it was a one man, one truck operation. Shortly thereafter, bringing his father along for the ride in a 1973 Cummins-powered autocar tractor, now something of an heirloom flagship for the fleet. You can find a close look at the autocar via Overdrive's YouTube channel and at our website. One of the stories he told me had to do with, what else? Fuel. He's locked into a contract for bulk delivery to the headquarters that, right now, is making him look like the smartest guy in the business. It doesn't always help the longer haul over the road operators. His experience in 2020, though, was just about the exact opposite, as he explains here. We contracted our fuel, you know, for the first of the year, thinking, well, you know, we've got a pretty good deal. And then, you know, COVID hits, the world shuts down, fuel goes, you know, 70 cents cheaper. And, and so then you're like, wow, you just got to ride it out, you know. So our strategy that year was we hadn't bought it for the entire year. So, you know, we were able to hold the contract until we had to, hoping, you know, that through the year it would come back up. You're not hoping, but you know, through the year it would come back into play. And so, you know, you learn. You're buying, you're buying bulk for delivery. Are you, are you buying under that same contract when you're out on the road? Well, on the road, we have a contract with our fuel card vendor. And it gives you a, a discount. And, you know, uh, to us, it's one of those things where I think as long for small carriers, you have to realize what is the benefit of having it bulk versus out on the road. If you if you always use a fuel card and your drivers pay attention and go where your discounts are, you're probably just as well off up to a certain size just to use the fuel card. And then once you, you know, you have to put the, you know, put the pencil to it, and once you get to buying so many tanker loads per month, then it makes more sense to have it here. A lot of times to have it here is really convenient, though. You know, they can fuel and be gone and, and don't have to worry about buying on the road or, you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, we, we're, we're probably out of our trucks, maybe seven, seven, eight of them are local all the time. So, you know, that makes it really, like this guy, you know, it's really handy. And, uh, he can, you know, they don't have to stop anywhere, you know, they can just do their thing. So those are, you know, it's like everything else. You have to put the pencil to it and see what, I guess one of the things for us about the trucking business is you have to be the businessman first and then you're the, the trucker second, you know, because you have to do what makes sense in business if you want to stay. <laughs> the current, so you, basically you have a contract with a fuel vendor here, for a certain amount of time at a certain price. Yeah, right? you, we just contract so many gallons okay. at a time. And then you just, you know, it, it really is, you just think, okay, well, like this time, you know, 
uh, it, it may work out okay as you know prices stay up and then or you may go the other way you just you don't know and you know you just try to catch it and say okay I think this is from the data we, we try to keep that data collecting what's it been how's the highs and lows what's causing those highs and lows and if you can you know work through that then work through that data and think okay this is where we think we need to be you know it's we're doing job. good today good yeah job. yeah yeah doing 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 okay today it was I think we're at 345 yeah. all in today and so you know that's that's a good thing we look we look good now you know yeah. that's going to be a that's going to be a good thing for us as long as they can you know uh, buy here that's what we try to you know encourage them to do but yeah that's so I think we're I think we're okay for, <laughs> for this year you know it's it helps to keep that I guess that's the thing that I emphasize even with our owner operators and you know, sometimes they say, oh, you know, do you tell them too much or this, that, you know, you know, I want to help guys be successful. And, you know, I know when I got started, I was all about, oh, I want the truck that looks nice. I want the, you know, the this, that, and the other. And the older that I get, I look and say, okay, how can we balance those two? What can yeah. we, how can we keep a driver comfortable, give him a nice piece of equipment, but yet, you know look at what what's what's the data we have you know if i have a truck that gets eight miles to the gallon versus a truck that it gets five and a half that's a lot of money yeah. and the five dollar fuel that's a whole lot of money and so you know what's we we try to look at everything and just say okay what, what's going to be best for us and you're owner operator yes for several years right many years, many years yeah and uh, how, how did you learn those basic those basic business things or maybe you came to you know, well you know yeah. you realize you look at the numbers and you yeah. think everything that i don't spend i get to keep <laughs> so what helps i mean really it comes from something pretty basic yeah. you know it doesn't matter if i want to work you know there again it's if we want to work 20 hours a day all year i don't want to do that so what you know what do i what do we have to do to be successful to get to where we want to be and the first thing we set a goal where does i you know what's my vision what do i want to do and you know how do we, how are we going to get there? And of course, I had some some background, knew how to write business plans and things like that, and right. just begin to look and and uh, you know we assembled a team of folks to help us in that because I you know I realized I may have some blind spots or may have you know sure. something that uh, you know I'm one of those guys. Hey, listen, I want to do it all. We can do flatbed tank, but you know <laughs> some of those things may not be exactly working for us or lanes that are not working for us and. You know how do we how do we do that? So I think the first thing is you set a goal. Where do I want to be? How do I want to get there? You know, there's, you know, my dad and I we enjoyed being owner operators, and you know I could see a, a thing you know where if my sons had come along and we just they wanted to be owner operators, we could have had two or three trucks, and you know that's a great plan, that's a great model and a great way to make a living, and uh, we just you know we wanted to try to see if we could do this. You know, who did you, you learn the most from in the early days of trucking? <clears throat> yourself probably on owner operator side was a man named paul bowdy uh, who was our safety director at grammar industries okay. and he uh, through his wisdom i learned the value of doing doing everything the right way to the best of your ability and i mean we had that work ethic that's what we want to do but you know he would he would show he showed me the value in being safe doing the right things watching your fuel mileage, you know, doing those. Uh, he's one of the smartest men I've ever known with the DOT regulations. Never asked him a question he couldn't answer. Very professional, very just, uh, you know, just, he's a guy that I admired a lot. And several times through, you know, when I see him now, I say, yeah, we owe a lot of what uh, 
of what we have to Paul because he was able to just, you know, uh, show us that if you do it the right way and, you know, so many times back in the day, you know, you hear that term outlaw and, yep. you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that, that's fun. That makes good movies. And, you know, smoking the band, it's not a training film, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, all that's fun and nostalgic and everything. But at the end of the day, you know, having the programs we have in place, having guys help them be safe and it's it's a lot better way, you know, for for us to go. And we were a lot cons more conservative when you have to realize there's good times and bad times. So we've got to put back for the bad times and, you know, enjoy the good times and just try to enjoy it is the big thing. That's that's one of the things as we've gotten bigger that that I have to focus on is not, you know, let's let up and enjoy what we're doing. Let's go. That's, you know, when you're an owner operator and you're doing your own thing, there probably is a little more satisfaction of just you know, being out there doing the trucking thing, you know, is when we get to where we are now, it's more business, more reports, you know. I laugh and tell my team all the time, I said, I know I was gonna work 20 years just to, to uh, you know, read reports every day. <laughs> Nonetheless, reading and really digesting business information is perhaps made easier given the long preparation Cowan's made for where he is today. Helped along by one among several early trucking mentors he had in the area. Here you'll hear him talking about one in particular, along the way toward introducing me to one among his local drivers at the yard getting a trailer airbag replaced on the flatbed he hauls metal coils with that would be roy pipe man spainhauer one of the ladies that was my friend and mentor he was about her name was ruth Atkins, and she was kind of a uh, oh i don't know how you describe her here she was a larger than life character okay and we have a big horse track here in kentucky and she ran that horse track you know, back in the day before ladies did that, you know what I mean? And she was, I don't know how you describe her other than she was just tough as nails, but mm -hmm. one of my best friends I've ever had. And she was in the trucking business and uh, I would help her in the evenings, you know, work on trucks and things like that. And so Roy had worked for her for ever and ever. And then when she retired and, and quit trucking, he came over. Okay. So he's been with us a long time too. Uh, uh, he's probably one of the, he will get more out of a truck. You can give him a truck and you never hardly have any issues out of it. I mean, he's, he looks it over, takes care of it. Yeah. He's slow and methodical and, you know, I don't mean yeah. slow, like not get done, but just easy. You know, just not goes. getting in a hurry. Yeah. yeah. He's easy with it and you'll yeah. never have, you'll never have transmissions and rear ends and, right. <laughs> and what he does, he runs from, there's a river port just about three miles over that way and to that plant with those slinky coils on them and that's what he does every day he's known he's known by pipe man pipe man this guy here said five dollars he'd whoop me. i want i got so i gave him 10 i want to see it twice <laughs> <Yep. laughs> my name's todd <laughs> <laughs> hello miss penny hi how are you i do it good today What's the matter with you? Airbag blowed on the trailer. Oh, no. Too hard on it. I just bragged on him about how easy he yeah, was. Yeah, he, he was. Airbag. I don't beat somebody else's equipment. I do not. As much money as that man has to buy, put out oh, for yeah. this stuff, I am not. I never have. And I'll, I'm 69 years old, and I'm not going to start now. Methodical methodical on the on the pre-trips and stuff. And, yeah. Keep a good eye on it. Jason, I think you lost $10. Yeah. 
Say we're gonna leave four in the morning. You know he was her always her lead driver. She had five trucks. And we're gonna leave at four in the morning. We'd all get there and he'd done been gone forty five minutes. You know because yeah. he wanted to beat us all he everywhere. Was <laughs> yeah, and he does that now, doesn't yeah. he? Like yeah. there's yeah. times that he he's been running the basics too. Bro. Yeah, he leaves at one or two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Wow, so, you know it's, it's funny. It, out there early. Well, there again, one of them old guys. You know, yeah. just old school, old school man. They're just yeah. They're, I guess we'll all be. You reckon we'll ever be old school? And it's, you know, I think it's one of the hardest parts about getting older is you have to try to keep learning. You know, you know what worked for you. And, you know, it's one of those things when you get in a groove and something's working, you you really think about change and, you know, what am I going to do to change? And, you know, you have to, sometimes it's hard to accept, you know, some of the things that, that we know in the industry that, either redundant or doesn't make sense or that if we were making the laws and the rules would be different, you know. Right. And as an industry, you just have to try to, that's one of the things I want to do. How can we work to make it better for, yeah. you know, better for the guys? Because you don't want to burden, you know, a lot of, you know, in an industry that's tough to find drivers and things like it anyway, it doesn't make sense to make it more cumbersome or burdensome. To, yeah, definitely. To, you know, no to, to do that. To make to the job easier. Make the job somehow. easier instead of hard. Well, you know, it's, I'm one of the guys, I'm, I guess I'm kind of one of the pro uh, 18 to 21s. We have the technology. We can set the trucks wherever we want them. We can watch. We can train. Yeah. We can get a guy or girl out of high school that wants to be in our industry. We get them while they're excited. We can train them. They can be, you know, coach and train them. And yeah, you take like Paul and Roy, all those guys driving on the farm, 14, 15, you know, my boys yeah. moving, you know, they could back trailers and move stuff around and they could have run up and down the road just as easy as a lot of guys by the time they were, yeah. you know, 16. And, you know, it just let's, I'm all for training. Let's, you know, I think through all what we've talked about, you know, that safety and training yeah. and work with them. And, and, but let's get them in the industry before they're, 23 you know so where yeah. they're already doing something else and then have to spend you know a lot of their life you yeah. know going through school and right. you know that's i think that's one of the things that would help our industry if as a company if we train them as we go and, and you know help them to get in the industry and get where they need to be i want the folks to look back here and say man that you know my experience at silver creek when i worked there was different you know those guys were were uh, were different and it's cool because you see the next generation a lot of times they have different ideas you know or different sure. different things and and i think one of the other things too that what when i talked with the guys at uh, the conference in arizona is you know a lot of them came into a big company like they were oh i was promoted to you know i'm the ceo there it's different from us you know when you start something from one it's your baby and you rock it so every decision you make, you think about all of those years, you know, whereas if someone just were to come in today and take my spot, they may just say, hey, we're going to do this a completely different way. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you think, hey, before I, you know, do this, that, you know, Roy and I have had history for, you know, yeah. 30 years, yeah. you know, just with that customer, you know, that he had, you know, we've had history for, you know, 20 years and 30 years. And so, you know, that means something to us, you know, and that's um, probably if we had the, I guess the the side that I don't know if you want to, I don't know how you want to word it, but 
would be that we do care about our, we don't see our customers as just, you know, a load and a number. They're our friends, you know, they're our, and you know, we're You want to maintain this business here while, I mean, yeah, you want to yeah. grow and bring in more right. business, but you don't want to forget about That's right, we don't want to forget where we came from, from and, and who helped us, and you know, that's what was, whether, our, whether it's our customers, whether our vendors, whether it's, you know, that's, that's we, uh, you know, a lot of times we know if our customers, something's going on in their family or, yeah. you know, we look out for them and try to help them or if they're in a bind, you know, it's that, it's just that, you know, that's the mindset that we want to have that you don't have everywhere, yeah. you know, that, that you go and, and try to mix all that together. That's the fun part, you know, <laughs> to put all that together to say, okay, this is the vision we cast. This is where we want to go. Now, how can we get there? You know, yeah, and, yeah. and I really think the bigger we get, it's just making sure the right people are in the right spots, yeah. you know, and because uh, like I can let you meet Valerie in here. She's our bookkeeper. You know, her, her brain thinks totally different than mine does. And yeah. sometimes I'll look at her and I'll say, I want to do this. And she's like, that makes absolutely no financial sense. Why do you want to do that? You know? It's just, you know, that's... How are you handling the fuel situation? Rates? Does it make financial sense? We'd love to hear about it. You can reach out directly via overdriveonline.com slash page slash contact hyphen us. You can find my contact information there. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the ongoing support of trucker songwriter and Overdrive contributor Paul Marhofer. You can see live tonight, May 6th, at exit 407 on I-40 in East Tennessee at the Large Cars and Guitars event. Hope to see you there. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive Extra News Editor Matt Cole, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, and Executive Editor Alex Lockie. Until next time, let's keep it pro out there.